Hello again, my friends. My name is Blaine the Brain, and this is the Royal Ramble. No, you're not dreaming. This is for real, just like Roman Reigns walking out of WrestleMania and still undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion of the World. Unfortunately, I cannot do the wise man justice on that one, but my goodness, how controversial was that? I will address that very thing a little bit later on. But this is a bonus episode, a night two podcast to go with your second night of WrestleMania, which just wrapped up about 20 hours ago. You may actually be listening to this at a time when the WWE is under new ownership. It looks like the deal has been reached with the UFC's parent company, Endeavor. It'll be interesting to see how many talent crossovers we get in the near future. As I've been saying for weeks though, the WWE isn't the only game in town, and it certainly wasn't this past weekend, as there were many other events taking place. AEW made their presence felt as well with the ROH Super Card of Honor event. This one took place on the Friday night, and I have to say, I thought Impact's Multiverse show would be hard to top, but this just about did it, and then some. It was an incredible show from top to bottom, in fact I don't think there was any bad match on the card. I really like the opener between El Hijo del Fikingo and Commander. It was exactly what you would expect. My only criticism is that as great an athlete as Vikingo is, and as flashy as his moves are, he really does need to work on his psychology a little better. There were noticeable spots in this match, and the recent Dynamite match with Kenny Omega, where he took way too long to set up a spot. I fully understand that it's hard to do what he does, but as someone with a bit of a journalism background, I've always been told to avoid using bigger words when smaller ones will do. Sometimes, this guy goes above and beyond what's expected of him, and he did it at times in this match, where because his timing was off, his opponent just kind of stood there awkwardly waiting to take the move. Aside from that, though, it was a very fun match. I was a little surprised that the pure title match between Wheeler Yuta and the legend Katsuyori Shibata ended the way it did, but given the final image of the show, I suppose it made sense, and it appears that Shibata will be sticking around a little longer, at least until the Forbidden Door event in June. The latter match was insane as well, and I think we all expected it to be, but sometimes when talent goes the extra mile to entertain the fans, accidents happen, and unfortunately, Dante Martin took a nasty spill to the outside after that destroyer spot, where part of the table looked like it landed on his heel and caused the snap. Hopefully he has a speedy recovery. The main event was the only match on the show I wasn't really into. It was good, and I'm a fan of Claudio, but something about it just didn't click, and I feel like they never got to the next level. It just wasn't exciting enough for me. That said, I'm not really surprised that Claudio retained, though it does look like this feud may continue as well, which is kind of weird because the Blackpool Combat Club appears to be involved in multiple programs at the moment. The other show that I decided to take in this weekend, in some parts regrettably, was the Joey Janela Spring Break event. As someone who doesn't regularly watch GCW, I have to say that I wasn't too impressed. There were a couple of pretty good matches, and I enjoyed seeing some of the talent that I watch in other promotions, but none of the people that I was unfamiliar with really stood out to me in a positive way. The opening ladder match was kind of fun, even though they kind of botched the spot with the door, or rather the door broke on them before the spot, they were able to recover pretty nicely. I also really liked the tag match between the Machine Guns and the team of Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. This could have been a total spot fest, but I was impressed that there was a lot more storytelling than I expected. I thought Wayne and Oliver played the underdog babyface team expertly, and the Guns led them through the match. 
Again, it's kind of weird seeing the guns as heels here while they're supposed to be baby faces in Impact, and I know a lot of people watch both shows. And then there was the Vikingo vs. Speedball match, which I thoroughly enjoyed as well, and Vikingo's timing was a lot better in this one. I did kind of like the main event too between Kota Ibushi and Joey Janela, even though I'm not really a Janela fan. Where the show kind of took a turn for the worse for me was that whole angle with the doll. Look, I understand that wrestling is supposed to be fun too, but this wasn't funny or entertaining to me. It was just stupid, for lack of a better word. Like, threatening to slit the throat of a blow-up doll is one thing, but then for talent to pretend like the doll has superpowers and is able to deliver moves? I'm sorry, but that's beyond ridiculous. Let's move on. I'm not really a fan of death matches either. I mean, I like them to a point, but when I see a man trying to slice open the forehead of a woman on camera with a pizza cutter, that's where I have to draw the line. Nick Gage is just not my kind of wrestler, and I don't even really consider him a wrestler, but I know there are a lot of people who do, so it's just not for me. So on that note, I'm going to transition now and start getting into my review of WrestleMania 39 Night 2. I'm not so sure WrestleMania needs to be two nights anymore, but I guess with a talent-heavy roster, the WWE is kind of left without a choice in that regard. Jimmy Allen opened things up with his rendition of America the Beautiful. I know what you're all probably thinking. Who? Look, I'm sure this guy is very well known within the music industry and probably has a core group of fans, so I'm not trying to discredit his talent in any way, but this wasn't a particularly good performance. I thought Becky G's was much better on night one, and generally speaking, gone are the days of Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles and Willie Nelson and Boys to Men, etc, etc. Kevin Hart was used once again for the opening video montage, and to their credit, they didn't just replay the same footage from night one, which I thought they might have done, this one was a little different. The two hosts for the evening, Miz and Snoop Dogg, once again occupied the ring to get the crowd fired up, and then we got right into the first match featuring Omos against Brock Lesnar. This was probably the match I was least looking forward to and couldn't care less about, and don't get me wrong, I still didn't, and I was amazed that after a hot night one, that they would choose to open Mania with this match. But overall, I didn't think it was that bad. I felt that they played to each guy's strength, and it ended up being pretty decent. Omos showed off his power in the early going, and just about tossed Brock around the ring like a ragdoll. He actually applied a bear hug at one point, which I haven't seen in ages. The turning point was Omos bouncing his head off the ring post, allowing Brock to take him to Suplex City. He tried for an F5 the first time he couldn't get him up, but he managed to the second time, and that was all she wrote. This was really all this match needed to be. I think if it went any longer, the fans would have turned on it and fast. The four-way women's tag match was next. It was the second showcase match of WrestleMania, but unlike the men's match, this one just felt very awkward and sloppy, and there really wasn't a ton of chemistry here between the participants. In fact, I would have saved this match for later in the show and used it as a transition between bigger matches. Very poor card placement here. The basic story was Ronda and Shayna just kind of hanging out on the apron all match long, while the other three teams battled it out. They picked their spot and really only came in near the end, with Ronda submitting Shotzi to her famous armbar. You know, I'm not so much a fan of Ronda, but she still has a dollar sign attached to her, and this just felt like a total waste of both her and Brock. Bobby Lashley, who won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal last Friday, was then introduced to the crowd, but he didn't really do anything. He just kind of came out, waved, and left. This was very random and felt like a total time killer. The announcers then throw to the back where Xavier Woods is hanging out with Nikki Cross and Hit Row and running another video game simulation for the upcoming triple threat match for the Intercontinental title. 
And that's exactly where they went next. It was Drew versus Sheamus versus the champion Gunther. This match might have saved night two. It was just three big guys beating the living daylights out of each other for a good 20 minutes or so, and I loved it. The action really started to intensify when McIntyre and Gunther just traded chops back and forth, which were literally echoing throughout the arena. And then Sheamus got involved with his beats of the Bodrin to both guys. They each tried various submissions at different points of the match, but there was always someone to break it up. And that's another thing I loved about this. Usually in a multi-person match, the camera only focuses on two people at a time, while the third, or however many there are, just kind of disappears. But in this match, I felt like all three of these guys were in front of the camera and just hammering each other for the majority of it. The end came when Gunther broke up a pin with a huge splash off the top. He then powerbombed Sheamus on top of Drew and delivered a second powerbomb to Drew to retain the title. Excellent match. The Raw women's title match was up next and these ladies were in a very tough spot having to follow the IC title match. This is where I think the four-way could have been placed instead, but it is what it is. The match was okay, but I was more impressed with the entrances. Asuka came out following almost an entire parade of Kabuki warriors wearing similar masks, and then Bianca was leading a group of young ladies called the Divas of Compton. In fact, there was a little girl who was a contortionist doing unbelievable things as part of the entrance. I actually just found out that her mother passed away this morning, I believe, so condolences to that brave young girl and her family. Asuka obviously tried playing the heel here, but the crowd would not have it. They were on fire for Asuka, and kind of made Bianca the heel in this match by default. After the ref was accidentally hit, Asuka tried using the mist, but Bianca ducked. She then loaded the challenger up for the KOD, but Asuka countered into an armbar. They teased that Bianca was about to tap, but she actually powered Asuka right back up and nailed her with a KOD to keep the belt. I wasn't so enthused about the outcome here, and I don't think anybody really was, but that was a very impressive finish. George Kittle, who made his presence felt on night one in the Miz vs. McAfee match, was shown at ringside along with another NFL guy, Al Michaels. They then replayed the footage of that match and actually showed Stephen Amell on camera, or at least a guy that looked like him, because I don't think he was ever acknowledged. The Miz and Snoop are back in the ring, and Miz took issue with Snoop booking him in a match the previous day, so Snoop asked Miz if he wanted to do it again. And sorry, this was after they had announced the combined two-night attendance record for WrestleMania of 161,892. Snoop then brought out the returning Shane McMahon, who looked incredibly winded by the time he got to the ring. He faced off against The Miz and was dominating whatever this was supposed to be, until he landed badly after a leapfrog and apparently tore his quad, so medical staff had to come in, and then Snoop came in and knocked Miz out and delivered what was probably the worst-looking people's elbow of all time. Snoop then pinned Miz for some reason, and this hideous segment was over. The Hell in a Cell match was up next. Despite the rumors, we didn't get any Gangrel or Christian involvement with Edge's entrance, but he did get the Brood coming up through the fire entrance, and was wearing some kind of weird metallic mask. And then they had Russell Crowe on screen to narrate the video before the match, which was kind of cool, as he was basically promoting the new movie, The Pope's Exorcist. This led into Finn making his entrance as the demon, and the match was on. It wasn't one of the better Hell in a Cell matches, but it was pretty fun. Edge actually used both Gangrel and Christian's finishers in the match, which was kind of cool. And then Finn caught a ladder right to the face, which apparently busted him open, kind of ruining the pace of the match, as the medical staff had to tend to him, and rightfully so, their safety definitely comes first. 
He was able to continue, however, and he set up Edge on a table and then climbed to one of the small platforms on the cell wall and attempted a coup de grace. He hit the move perfectly, but Edge avoided it, so Finn ended up crashing through the table. Edge then delivered an execution off the ladder and finished the demon off with a one-man concerto. Another pretty surprising outcome here, I kind of expected Judgment Day to have a clean sweep. Kayla interviewed Bianca Belair backstage, and she put over Asuka's toughness, but says she's always riding for those who ride for her, and then brings out the Compton girls again. The Hall of Famers are then introduced, and Philadelphia is announced as the site of WrestleMania 40, as we finally go right into the main event for the WWE Universal title, with Cody Rhodes challenging Roman Reigns. Cody comes to meet his family members at ringside, including his wife Brandy, their child, and his mother. Also with them is John Huber's son, who Cody gives his belt to. Roman Reigns then has an incredible entrance as well. He comes out with Heyman and Solo, as five pianos are set up on stage, and these pianists just recite part of his theme music. Cody gets the early advantage in the feeling out process until Roman catches him off a springboard attack and drills him with a powerbomb. The action then spills onto the entrance ramp as each guy delivers hip tosses and slams to the other on the ramp. Solo gets involved with a steel chair to give the advantage back to Roman. Cody comes back and blocks a powerbomb attempt on the, on the announce table and ends up back body dropping Roman through the other announce table. Solo again tries to get involved but gets caught this time and ejected. Cody hits the crossroads and then blocks the Superman punch attempt and nails Roman with a pedigree but Roman kicks out of both moves. Cody actually applies a figure four at one point and Roman's selling of that move was incredible. Roman comes back and locks on the guillotine. He had it fully cinched in, but Cody actually powered, out, powered his way out of it. There was then a ref bump as he took an accidental bicycle kick from Cody. With both guys and the ref down, the Usos come running out. They hit the 1D on Cody, but then Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens come out. They take out the Usos, and then KO stunners Reigns, and Sami hits him with the Haluva kick, but Roman still kicks out. Cody then starts building momentum again. He hits the flip-flop-and-fly-punch combination made famous by his father, Dusty Rhodes. He then executes two consecutive crossroads and tries for a third, but as Heyman distracts the ref, Solo comes back through the crowd and nails Cody with a Samoan spike, basically opening the door for Roman to hit the spear and retain his title. As I've said on many Facebook boards today, I would have liked to see Cody win, and I'm not so sure I understand the logic here myself, but the bloodline is still over, so I'm fine with the result. I just didn't like the way the match ended, as it's become typical for a Roman Reigns match. That said, I also don't think Cody is the future of the company, and that whoever finally beats Roman should be the leader of the next generation. So that was WrestleMania. It was a fun weekend with lots going on. There will not be a new episode next weekend, but I will be back the following week. Until then, I leave you with an A-B-C-ya!